This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Genesis chapter 48, and uh, we come across one of those passages that's very, very interesting. It gives us a lot of meat, uh, a lot of a lot to through and understand. And to tell you the truth, it teaches us an important principle. And uh, I always try to give you at least an insight into the principle and then lead you through it whenever we do a Bible study. But <clears throat> the truth is that this principle is very important. And this principle is man's ways are not God's ways. And man's wa- and God's ways are not man's ways either. And when you are trying to figure out, you're trying to figure out how God's going to do something, you can't look at it from man's perspective. Because man, man chooses ways that are very carnal, that are very worldly, are very earthy, I guess is one way to say it. It's a world that is controlled by sin and controlled by hearts that have turned from God. And obviously the world's ways of doing things is not going to be how God does things. And uh, we grow up in that world. We grow up in that culture. We grow up seeing the world from from our own eyes and seeing the world from the way the world operates. But God does not operate that way. And one of the things that the world, you know, and this is something that has gone on for history past, especially for monarchs and rulers. And you got to remember, most of our world's history has been ruled by monarchs, rulers. Democracy has been a rare thing in the history of the world. There are many democracies that have survived and lived and taken place in world history. But like I said, they are very rare and they take on different forms. You have you have in Western culture, you sure do have the Greek democracy in Athens. You have you have the Roman democracy, the Roman Senate, and in in the Roman Republic, which lasted for a long time, about five hundred years. And uh, you have in other places, spotty places all over the world, you have democracies in different locations. But the truth is, democracy really took root and really took off in the in the late 1700s, in the 18th century. And, and it is important that you get and understand that uh, democracy is not normally the way things are done. Monarchy is the way the world has been run all over the world for generation after generation. Things were handed down to the heirs of the ruling class or the rulers, and the world doesn't venture too far from that. And you need to know that. And we even see that in many ways in our own democracy. We've had president sons who became president. We've had that happen twice. We have families who have what we call aristocratic families. In my growing up years, the Kennedys were considered you know, the blue bloods of politics. And uh, and you can see what that brought us and what brought about by that. And then in recent times, even the Clintons have had that going on in their family. And the focus on our leaders' families has been mainly because 
there is a tendency for us to chase after their family members after one of them has become president or one of them has become very important in our government. If you attain to that position, your family members have better access or they have more ability to ruin things as the son of our president does now. And you can see that those are the way, that's the way the world even operates when you have democracies. It goes on that way. But God doesn't do that. And God chooses whom he will choose. And God works through whom he will work through. And God decides based off of what he knows to be the character and the type of person that's coming up. And so we see that when the greatest king of Israel is chosen, it's not the oldest that's chosen of that family. It's David who is the youngest of that family. And we see that happen over and over. We see even here in this story where Jacob is choosing to Joseph's sons, we see Jacob choosing the youngest son to receive the highest blessing, the most important blessing. And the, that, that whole idea of the firstborn receiving the best is not the way God works. And I want you to hear me in this way. It's not the way God works in anything, in anything. He doesn't work that way. You're not limited by something that you have no you don't have no power to control. You're not limited by the things that, that you don't know about. What you're, The thing that limits you with God and what God's willing to do and is going to do with you is the depth of your character and how much you're willing to operate in faith toward him. That's what God is looking for. God's looking for a heart bit toward him, a depth of character, your heart desiring him and his will, that's character, and uh, there's no way to get around it. And let me tell you this, character is of high importance. And I've always, in my own personal life, wanted to attain to having great character. And I'm going to tell you that I know myself, and I know that my character is not as great as I want to attain to. It's just my, I think of that song all the time when I'm dealing with myself. And uh, you have to deal with yourself also. It's that prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That was terrible. But as you can see, that whole, that, that old hymn is a recognition of your wandering heart. And your wandering heart causes your character to be flawed and to miss out on God's best. But God cares most about your character. He cares about your character. And listen to me. Him bringing your character, your will in line with him is of great importance to him. But then also, you're willing to operate, your willingness to operate and act in faith is also just as important. And uh, you say, why is that as important as character? Because your willingness to operate in faith is what's going to change your character. It's what's going to make you into who God wants you to be. And by the way, there are people who are in many ways of flawed character who were great in scripture. If you go through that Hebrews chapter 13 roll call of faith and you actually kind of dig deep into the people that are mentioned there, you can always find in almost every one of them, you can find a flaw of character. But what you can't find is a lack of faith. Okay, what you find is those people learned how to operate in their faith 
and that's what made them usable by God. And it also is what made their depth of character something that something that God loves. God God loved David. David was flawed in his character, and we see that he made some major mistakes in his life. But he also was a man of great faith, and his character and his heart were bent toward God because of that faith. And God said, "He's a man after my own." The reason, the way he was after his heart is he was after his heart by faith. And we see Joseph, it says in verse 12, Joseph brought them from beside his knees and he bowed down with his face to the earth. Now, the two boys were right there next to him and he moved them out in front of him. Then he bowed down with his face to the earth. What is he doing? He is recognizing that this blessing that he's about to give is not his blessing to give, but it's God's blessing to give. And he says, and Joseph took them both, Ephraim, with his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right hand and brought them near him. Now notice, Joseph's moved them out from his, he's bowed down to the floor, realizing that this is an act of God. This is an important act. Notice that when we're talking about Jacob here, what name's being used? The name's being used is Israel. That means that's the name of promise. That's the name of hope. That's the name of change. And so when we look at him, he's bringing his two sons. And notice he's bringing the oldest son toward Israel's right hand and the youngest son toward Israel's left hand because Joseph is trying to choose how the blessings are going to be meted out. He's making that choice. He's making that decision. And so it says, then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his head knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. So what did he do? Joseph brought it to it brought the boys to Israel. One, the oldest, toward his right hand, and the youngest toward his left hand. And what did Israel do? They crossed his hands. All right. He blessed them differently. And the reason he did is because that was God's will. That was God's plan. And we see that carried out in the years to come. We see that that Manasseh is not as great as Ephraim. And in fact, Ephraim is going to become really great and really powerful and really important. And his tribe and his people are going to become a very important people in Israel. And it says, it says, and he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walked. Notice he's blessing the two boys, but he's blessing Joseph also. Because remember, the two boys are Joseph's legacy. They're his heritage. They're his, they're, they're, he is going to receive all the blessing uh, that these two boys are going to get because they are his, and uh, he has raised them to receive those blessings. I think this is just such a powerful story with the grandfather giving the blessing to the grandson and the son receiving the fullness thereof. He says, God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who fed me all my life long to this day. Notice, he's the God of my past. He's the of my heritage. And he's also the God who has sustained me throughout my life. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil. Now, you need to get this. This is a foreshadowing. This is the angel of the Lord. This is the pre-incarnate Christ. This is a foreshadowing of Jesus who came as the angel of the Lord. And notice what he calls the angel's work. Notice how he describes what this angel does. He redeems me from all evil. This is Jesus himself. 
He is calling on the God of his fathers. He's calling on the God who has sustained him by his will throughout his life. And then he's calling on this angel who we do not know who it is when we're reading it in Genesis 48, but we sure do when we read it in Matthew chapter one. And we see that this angel of the Lord is Jesus himself and his job is to redeem us from our sins. He says, the angel who redeemed me from all evil, bless these lads, bless these young men. It's a great blessing. And uh, notice he's put his hand on their heads. I will say this, that is a, for boys and girls, that is a symbol of acceptance. And let me tell you, it has spiritual significance. And when I'm dealing with young, young boys and girls, when I'm around them, I will always, if I can, if they'll let me, I will place my hand on top of their head, not for a long time, but just for a second, because it is a, it is a gesture of acceptance. And it also is a gesture of blessing. And it's great blessings to place your hand on the head of children and uh, give them the anointing of yourself. Give them what God is, is acting in your life, allowing them to be accepted into the family of God, to the plan of God, and uh, giving them the hope that's in him. I love this. He says, he, and he blessed these young lads. And it says, let my name be named upon them. What he's saying is, let my heritage, let my legacy let all that I've just mentioned about God sustaining me, about the angel redeeming me, let this be on them and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. What he's saying is let them and who they are become a mighty nation, many people, a blessing for all to have. Let them be a blessing in all the earth. Great, fabulous blessing when you ought to mark in your Bible and read over and over again because it's a blessing for your children and your grandchildren. And grandparents ought to be using this blessing regularly. They ought to make it their own. You go, my father wasn't Abraham and Isaac, but yes, you can remember back on your heritage of faith and what was passed on to you, and you can name those names. And you can name that God has sustained you throughout your whole life. There isn't anybody who's listening to my voice who has grandchildren, who can't say that God protected you and held you throughout your whole life. And uh, he redeemed you from evil, but you don't have to call him the angel who redeemed you from evil. You can call him Yahshua, Jesus himself, who has redeemed you from evil. And you can bless your grandchildren, male and female. You can bless them. Let my name be the name upon them, or let all the blessings that God has given me pass on to them. And all the blessings that was passed on to me and my family pass on to them and let them be fruitful and let them have the anointing of God, which carries on throughout the, their life and the generations to come. And you can do that blessing anytime with your grandchildren. And let me tell you this, you ought to, you ought to. Said it three times. It's got to be important, right? Or I'm just getting old and I'm repeating myself. He says, now when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so my father, for this one is the firstborn, put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know my son, I know. He also shall become a, a people, and he also shall be great. 
but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. Notice he's saying, just because you were born there doesn't mean that God's going to use you in that first position. It hadn't happened for, for Jacob. He was the second born. And the truth is it hadn't happened for Joseph because he was long and deep in the line of his brothers. He was, he was the 11th brother born, maybe the 10th. My mind is going blank on that. But he was deep in the line, and yet he was the greatest of all his brothers. And so it's not how you're born. It's not the natural things of this world that determine where you are in the kingdom of God. It's the spiritual things that determine those things. It's the most important things. Remember, it's the character and the faith that determines those things. And so he blessed them that day saying, by you, Israel will bless, by you, Israel will bless saying, may God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. And I think this is a full story of God's provision, God's anointing, God's blessing, God's preparation for the future, God knowing the future, God having that knowledge of how things are going to turn out and him ordering the future in such a way that it will bring about his very best. And it'll also function in the will and the hearts of men who will chase after him and who will act in faith. And God knows all those things and he works those things out so that he might be glorified by our faith and by the depth of character that he produces in us because of that faith. And so I pray that you'll take this story and this understanding and that you'll walk in it a little bit, that you'll walk in it yourself, that you'll realize that I need to develop my character more and more each and every day by my walk of faith, and that I also need to pass that on to my children and my grandchildren, and that I need to make that a, a daily portion of who I am, that I pass those things on. I think it's fabulous for grand, grandparents to be a blessing to their grandchildren, that I'm looking forward to the opportunity to do that myself in the next few months. That being said, I would say to you and to those who are listening today that, that you can be a blessing to your family by walking in faith and character, and you should be a blessing to them. Parents should raise their children if they can. I know there's situations where they can't, and uh, those situations, I pray for an extra measure of grace for those grandparents who are having to raise their grandchildren. But uh, parents should be able to raise their children, and grandparents should be a blessing to those children. And uh, if we can do that, and, and even if we can't, grandparents can be great a blessing to their children, even if we can't. But I pray in the name of Jesus that all these things will work out for you, and I'm expecting it for you, and I'm expecting you to walk in it. And I'm expecting you to experience God's best in it because I have great hope in my God that he will do these things for you. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus name.